This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Six catches, 114 yards, and one touchdown. Third down, 10. Johnson down the middle to Keyshawn, and Keyshawn's got a touchdown. It's not easy being born from greatness. The numbers on Keyshawn are just out of sight at this point, as I believe this is going to put him well over 200 yards. I've looked up to it my whole life. Third down seven for Brad Otten and the Trojans. Otten is going to get a touchdown pass. Always trying to follow in its footsteps. An 86-yard TD pass from Otten to Johnson. Keyshawn's going to break some receipts. My name stands for something. TD, time to go. Gives me something to strive for. Hey, have a good day, Junior. Thanks, Dad. But I'm more than just my name. You want to race? Where do you go? I'm here to blaze my own trail. Build my own legacy. Work for my future. Too many moves at the top. You got to be able to just go straight ahead and close the cushion. You don't need the weave. The expectations are high. The pressure, immense. Yes, I'm the GOAT. When you get there, you let me know. Do I take his torch or light my own? I told you I was going to make my own path. Go Big Red. And that's how we start off this edition of the Husker Online Show as Keyshawn Johnson Jr. makes the long-awaited commit announcement to Nebraska, giving the Huskers their second four-star receiver in a matter of about a week. Hello, Sean Callahan here uh, for this Husker Online Show, joined by Nate Klaus, who really has been the Keyshawn Johnson pool beat reporter for the last year, as, as you have spent hours uh, you know, just talking and, and uh, building a relationship with the Johnson family. And, and, and obviously for you, Nate, this day uh, was no surprise for Nebraska uh, to, to lock things up. It's been a long time coming for Nebraska for this decision to, to finally happen now. And, um, you know, it, it's been a kind of a crazy ride over the last year. When you look back to that first initial visit, I think a lot of fans were excited that Keyshawn Johnson Sr. brought that whole seven-on-seven team and, and that his son was involved and everything. But uh, at that point in time, no one really believed that this would turn into something legitimate. And then he comes back for the spring game. And, um, you know, and then fans started really following and kind of buying into it and uh, he comes back for summer camp and and then goes to the Wisconsin game and and visits again in January and and now kind of reached a fever pitch waiting for him to finally make the decision and uh, to you know he finally announced for Nebraska and and I think there was a lot of relieved fans out there but uh, a huge you know recruiting victory for Nebraska when you look at the teams that they were able to beat out uh, you know talk about a kid who was a USC legacy he had a, a, his cousin was at Ohio State had a tremendous career there is going to be a um, you know maybe a first round draft pick there so um, you know I had a lot of big time teams pulling them in different different directions and that relationship with Mike Riley was uh, was a key factor in this yeah I think you're right Nate when you say a lot of Nebraska fans just didn't believe it almost had that remember when Tim Miles in his first year the Mac Urban Fire team came and you know Jaleel Okafor and, and some of these guys played a pickup game and just destroyed Nebraska's yeah current team it almost had that feel last year like okay it's cool that these guys are all here but you know are they going to turn down usc are they going to turn down oregon ucla etc the west coast powers that mm-hmm. typically get these guys and um i think 
it showed you how important relationships are in recruiting. And that is the name of the game uh, in a lot of ways. I mean, you look at what this class has already ha- what's already happened. Uh, Javon McQuitty offered last year at the spring game. Nebraska kind of beat the pack there. Keyshawn Johnson Jr., Mike Riley's relationship goes back all the way to the mid-90s um, when he coached uh, Keyshawn Johnson Sr. at USC and it goes on and on, and now with Tristan Jebby and Darnay Holmes and uh, a number of these other guys. I mean, the relationships, uh, that's what it's all about. Yeah, relationships, trust, uh, familiarity is, is key, and these are all guys that have been able to, to visit Nebraska several times, and that's the biggest obstacle is, is getting kids here. And, um, and Initially, I think fans thought that, hey, Keyshawn Sr. is doing his old coach a solid by bringing these kids Trying to just here. make them look good. Exactly, and- yeah. You know, give give the new kid, uh, the new coach, you know, uh, some love and, and kind of, you know, just do them a solid by bringing these prospects up here. And um, But it was always much more than that. You know, you talk to Keyshawn Sr., and uh, he's told me several times how he owes everything that he has to Mike Riley. And uh, I mean, he talks to Mike Riley almost on a daily basis. They're, they're extremely close. He considers him, you know, part of the family. And um, when talking with Keyshawn Jr. about the commitment, he said, you know, I felt like Coach Riley has already coached me. He's so close to my dad uh, that I, you know I've always felt like like I've known the guy. Um, you know, and, but he was able to take that to a whole nother level over this past year. So you know, again, it's just it's it's nice to see something pay off for Nebraska here. They're able to capitalize on a connection, uh, but they were also able to um, you know. I guess out hustle a lot of other teams out there. I mean, you know, to beat out, you know, the West Coast powers at USC, Alabama, uh, Clemson, Ohio State, that, that was just tremendous for Nebraska. We're talking to Nate Klaus here as we break down Nebraska's newest commitment from Keyshawn Johnson Jr., the four star out of Calabasas, California. And I think I'm going to ask you the question that you've probably been asked a lot. So, what's next? What, what does this commit now do for Nebraska's class? How could this potentially spark plug things going forward? Well, it's definitely the first domino to, to fall. I mean, obviously, Nebraska has, uh, you know, had two other commits prior to Keyshawn uh, Jr. committing, but he has that name recognition. He knows so many, you know, top players, not only in Southern California, but across the country. Um, and, and all those guys have now taken notice that, that he's going to Nebraska. And it was interesting to watch it all play out on social media because, over and over again, you had top players across the country, and especially in California, uh, congratulating on him on his commitment, talking about visiting Nebraska, talking about the fan base that Nebraska has, and uh, you know, really see a lot of legitimate interest come aboard. So um, this is going to be, you know, kind of. I think it's going to op- open the floodgates. To be perfectly honest with you, obviously he has two teammates that Nebraska is recruiting. Very and a former one at IMG Academy. In a former one at IMG Academy for the 2018 class. So uh, I, I think that there's a legitimate, um, you know, reasonable option to, to kind of look back at it and say that this could be, you know, the, the main commit that, that really turned the tide for Mike Riley in, in Nebraska uh, when you, you know, when you look back at things. You know, call me crazy, but it, it has a 2005 feel to me. Um, yeah, it's been a long time in recruiting or I can remember Husker fans remembering the names of recruits this early on, typically March and April. It's kind of like, who again are these guys? Who's coming in for the spring game? You know, people don't really know the names, but, you know, this is kind of a household name group of players 
that we haven't seen in recruiting at Nebraska this early, probably since 2005 era where, you know, Nebraska kind of built that early group of Martin Lucky and Harrison Beck and, and some of those guys. And now obviously not all of all of them panned out, but mm-hmm. it led to a number five ranked class that produced two big 12 players of the year, Zach Taylor and Dominican Sue. And, um, you know, almost won a couple of big 12 titles for Bo Pelini in, in the back end of that class. Uh, but I don't know. It just, it reminds me a little bit of 2005 when you, you just see people asking you about guys this early on in March. Yeah. People, people grasped onto the, this, you know, extremely early and yeah, the 2005 class, maybe the 2007 class uh, that they had going. Yeah. But yeah. The one that got dismantled. Yeah. The one that, that got dismantled. Yeah. Uh, what could have been in that class, uh, but uh, there's no question the, the uh, the following and, and the um, the thirst for everything that was going on at every step of the you know the whole entire process uh, for these guys, especially Keyshawn Jr., uh, has been pretty incredible. We're talking with Nate Klaus here as, as we wrap up this opening segment, and later on in the show, we're going to be joined by Adam Gorney, uh, Rivals.com's West Coast analyst, to get his take on on what this means for Nebraska, and then we're going to hopefully be joined by Keyshawn Johnson Jr. as well on the program, uh, just uh, on his thoughts on the commitment but when you look at things Nate quarterback is the next I think logical piece to the class uh two names Jack Cohn forced out of New York visited last week uh two a week before that uh Tristan Jebbia from Calabasas Keyshawn Johnson's uh quarterback uh what do you think is going to happen how does this play out well, it's going to be really fascinating to see what exactly happens. But um, the, what we do know right now is that these are the top two guys that Nebraska is really focused on, and they are very aware of one another. And, you know, both of them are closing in on decisions. Uh, I feel like now that Keyshawn Jr. is in the boat, um, you know, leading up to Calabasas' spring ba- break, um, you know, Jebby has got a couple visits planned, and one is to Ole Miss, where he's a legacy recruit. His father was a, a very good tight end um, for the Rebels there, and, and his mother actually went to college there as well. So there's some ties there, uh, but there's a possibility that he makes a return visit to Nebraska. And if that happens, I, I think that he could very well pull the trigger here in the next week or two. We'll have plenty of more recruiting talk here later on in the show. But when we come back on the program, we're going to give a, a midterm thought here on spring football. Uh, Robin Washett and Dan Hoppen will join the program. That's next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Dan Hoppen, and uh, Robin Washett here as we are talking some spring football now. As we spent a lot of time here talking about uh, the Keyshawn Johnson commit, and, and we'll continue to talk about that here on the show. And actually, we'll be joined by Keyshawn John, uh, Johnson Jr. Uh, and Adam Gorney uh, later on here in the show. Rivals.com's West Coast analyst. Um, along with, obviously, Keyshawn Johnson Jr. and his reaction on just the day it was on Thursday uh, or Wednesday when he made his announcement. But let's talk some spring football. Nebraska is on spring break right now. Uh, They've been off. They will not take the field until Tuesday, March 29th. Uh, for their seventh spring practice. And, and it's been very introductory when you watch what they've done so far. There hasn't been any big scrimmages and live contact. And, you know, I want to pose this question first to you, Robin. When, when you look at this team coming back, what do you really want to see? Uh, what are your big questions uh, that you want to see here as we start the second half? Yeah, for me, I mean, obviously there's 
stuff to answer across the board, but offensively, uh, especially up front on the offensive line, I think going into spring ball, that was the, by far the most intriguing set of position battles uh, on the entire team, arguably, just with the amount of uh, turnover they had from you know losing starters from last year and guys swapping around at different positions. And uh, Mike Riley even said it himself in his last uh, post-practice uh, little press deal um, following that, that last Thursday practice that this second half of spring ball is really the time he wants to see that competition up front kind of go to the next level. And he wants to see some separation of guys who are going to position themselves as, you know, the the, the front runners going into summer and on into fall camp. So, uh, the, yeah, that's that's what I'm going to be looking for. You know, as the, the competition and uh, the intensity of practice heats up, I want to see how that offensive line responds and which guys kind of rise to the top, uh, you know, when they're put to the test to, to try and win those jobs. Now, I want to follow up on that real quick, Robin. You know, obviously that there, there is still a lot of competition along, along the line, but I, as I look at it, I kind of see four spots that are pretty close to being filled and left tackle Nick Gates mm-hmm. left guard Gerald Foster center Dylan Utter right tackle David Neville so that right guard spot is really kind of the one that's being targeted or could you see someone making a move at one of those other positions well the real kind of Paul weird, Thurston yeah me. I was gonna say the expect is a center because right now you know Dylan Utter is basically getting all the reps as the number one center uh, with Michael Decker, I think, is the other guy working mm-hmm. in the center. And so, uh, yeah, with when Thurston gets back into the fold, how is that going to change things? And so for a guy like Dylan Utter, if he wants that starting center spot, I mean, this is an opportunity for him to really uh, get a firm hold on that. And, uh, yeah, again, at the, that guard spot, uh, you know, you got uh, uh, Tanner Farmer and then Corey Whitaker is a mm-hmm. guy that, you know, who kind of kind of came out of nowhere a little bit because uh, he had been dealing with injuries his whole career. So it's uh, the, the, those are the, the two main battles but again a guy like David Neville too I mean the the opportunity is there for him to win that job but Mike Cavanaugh said you know earlier uh, in the second week of uh, spring ball that you know it's it's his moment right now and now he's got to go take it let's be honest though Sam Hahn's not beating out David no I mean it's gonna take David Neville they got a freshman coming in, in the fall though that could certainly shake but things up. Do you a want bit. to do that though I mean I don't I just don't think you mess with a mental you don't want to mess with Matt Farniak and, and just throw him out to the wolves. I mean, he's going to come in talented, but, man, that, that's a huge jump. You don't see a lot of true freshmen playing on the offensive line in the Big Ten, especially at tackle. Well, and you look at the competition level. He's coming from South Dakota, so obviously he's not seen what he's going to see. If, you know, maybe like if you're a, a polished California, Texas lineman mm-hmm. that's five-star, four-star guy that's coming out of there, you might be ready. Um, Nick Gates was probably ready his true freshman year, but they still redshirted mm-hmm. him, and, and look and how that's paid. Yeah. Him, yeah. Yeah, we're talking here, uh, Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Robin Washington, Dan Hoppin. Big questions we want to see here, second half of spring football. How about you, Dan? What are you looking at when you look at this team? Uh, what is your number one thing you want to watch going forward? I'm really going to be wa- watching that pass rush and um, how Nebraska is able to generate pressure because I have some real questions about that. You know, we've kind of gotten to see some – some one-on-one offensive line versus defensive line battles, and I've liked some of the things that I've seen, especially from Freedom, uh, Akin Moladun. I think he's added some really nice moves that maybe he didn't have last year. But outside of that, I'm just not sure with that group where you know where the pressure comes from. Is Mark Banker going to have to get more creative and bring more blitzes, or you know, does a a Deshaun Neal or an Alex Davis kind of rise up and? and at least make themselves a situational rusher. I think that's something I really want to see. Cedric King is another guy I know they've talked about in the mix, but you're right. I mean, after Desiris, after Freedom, Akamoladun, who is the next guy yeah. off the bench, so to speak, at defensive end? I mean, that that is 
because they, they want to rotate. I mean, that's the difference with this staff on defense, and it did pay off last year. Early on, they were rotating into Zuris and Freedom off the bench, mm-hmm. and I think that was huge when you look at what they got out of those guys. And if you look at a guy like Alex Davis, I mean, talk about an opportunity to you know make that jump. Uh, I mean, he's a guy that had 40 pounds of muscle, you know, over the red shirt year and uh, looks completely, you know, like a different body than he was, you know, a year ago. So I think he has a golden opportunity to work himself into that mix. And obviously, athletically, he has all the potential in the world, but it's a matter of, you know, making that jump to not just be an athlete, but to become a college football defensive end. So what's kind of uh, the thing that you're looking at, Sean, as we go into these last couple weeks? I mean, the scrimmages. I think the two scrimmages they typically do before the red-white game, to me, kind of write the script for fall camp and and, and in the early depth chart. I think what you put on the field, and usually you get like two 100-play full-out scrimmages. I don't know if that's still in the plans this year um, because it's been a little different with this Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday schedule, but I would assume – um, these two big scrimmages or whatever they do before the red-white game, uh, hopefully we get to see them as well because it really helps us out with our jobs. But I want to see the improvements Tommy Armstrong's made with the live pass rushes we talked about. I want to see Patrick O'Brien in a scrimmage situation make some third and eight throws and, and, and see what he can do um, in those situations. I want to see David Neville in a scrimmage situation. Mm-hmm. Um, can he Can he stand up? To a pass rush, uh, you know, can, will he be challenged enough to even get a good look? Um, you know, with Freedom and Ross Azuris, hopefully they can uh, really challenge David Neville in in that situation. Because um, if you don't have a good right tackle to protect Tommy Armstrong, um, it could be a very long year. And I want to see what David Neville um, will handle and ha- look like in those situations. I think also, you know, you you got to look at the running game and those scrimmages too. I mean, we've seen some of these backs look okay, but it's, it's flag football right yeah, now. Yeah, it's impossible to judge a running game when they're not even taking guys to the ground so yeah I, i've really liked what i've seen from divine azigbo so far i think mikhail wilbon's got a lot of talent but until we actually see some tackling it's hard to really say oh you know maybe divine is making a move here or anything like that yeah and uh, kind of piling on with that running game situation too i mean i'm interesting to see as sean pointed when they get in the live scrimmage situations how the coaching staff kind of plays with those those backs that they have you know they've hinted that they're going to utilize more two back sets with divine maybe playing more of a fullback role or being that power guy and uh, having a newbie or Mikhail Wilbon be, you know, that that other back that they could be split out wide and uh, do some different things with. And so there's going to be some you know, interesting wrinkles. I think they're going to be added to that running game that, you know, maybe we'll finally get a chance to see once they start putting on the pads for real. And the depth at linebacker, too, that's something I'm intrigued to see. There, There's a lot more there than what Nebraska had a year ago. And I want to see Josh Banderas and Michael Rose Ivy. I mean, they need to kind of have big springs. They've somewhat been quiet and a lot of that has to do with the limited contact Mm. but those are two guys I think Nebraska needs to look towards to lead the defense and then you have younger players like Muhammad Berry and Tyron Ferguson um, a number of those types of players that I really want to see how they look in some of those scrimmage situations. You mentioned the two guys that I'm most intrigued to to watch you know once again the the intensity picks up uh, you know I think when you look at the linebacker situation you cannot expect all those three frontline guys to make it through entire season at this point I mean injuries have uh, been a constant problem Luke uh, Gifford's yeah, another one I yeah, want to see Gifford, and, but I think an opportunity this year for Tyron Ferguson really to uh, be a factor in that rotation Muhammad Barry who obviously we haven't seen much at all I mean before this spring uh, because of that injury Highly touted. I mean he's a unique athlete that I think could be a, a real kind of 
X-factor guy in Mark Back- Banker's scheme that uh, I think is going to be really intriguing to watch, you know, how he fits into this defense. And do not forget Marcus Newby. That's a guy that the coaches have been talking up quite a bit. I mean, I, I think he's kind of flown o- under he's the radar. He's a four-star recruit. Of- exactly. That's what I was going to say. A four-star recruit from Maryland. He's a really talented kid. And we, since we've named everybody else, I think we got to talk about Chris Weber too. I mean – you know, this guy might not be the greatest athlete of all time. Obviously, wasn't highly recruited coming out of high school. But all he did was make tackles when he got a chance last year. He's a when football he, player. Yeah, when he got in games, he made tackles. He made plays. So, he deserves a mention. All right, Nebraska will hit the field for spring practice on Tuesday, uh, March 29th here. So, plenty of coverage to follow on HuskerOnline.com. When we come back, we'll shift over to Husker baseball. Nebraska's won now 10 of 11 games. They start Big Ten play at Purdue. We'll get Dan Hoppins' take next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show as we shift over to baseball here. I know we've talked a lot about Keyshawn Johnson and, and what this commitment has meant for Nebraska here this week, but uh, not, not to be forgotten has been the play of this Nebraska baseball team. Uh, the Huskers have now won 10 of 11 games, uh, including a midweek sweep over Indiana State on the road of scores of 10 to 4, 11 to 4. They took two of three uh, against Wichita State. Uh, before winning all of their home games against Northern Colorado and Loyola Marymount. To break down this run that Nebraska baseball is on, we bring in Dan Hoppen, uh, our baseball writer here for HuskerOnline.com. Dan, uh, w- when you look at things, what do you attribute this little run Nebraska's gone on to? Well, I think certainly the offense has been tremendous, and the power um, uh, specifically. Nebraska already in 20 games this year has 23 home runs. That's one more than they had in 57 games all of last season. Wow. So, yeah, they've they've really been able to find their way, and uh, and I think that that's something that was kind of missing from the previous couple of years was Nebraska had a fairly consistent offense, but they didn't have that punch. You know, they couldn't have that three or four run burst well we've seen that especially you know in a couple of these games in this winning streak nebraska has been down and then they've hit a three run home run you know you don't want to base your offense around home runs but they can certainly be very helpful now they lost on friday last week to wichita state and they had a nice comfortable lead going burke camper was cruising and then things just fell fell apart i mean in some ways though was that a wake-up call um, they, they got a little too comfortable or, or something happened. Uh, they lose that game 17-5 to after really being in control of it, what, for the first five or six innings? Yes, that game was just a pure nightmare. Nebraska walked 17 batters. I mean, it doesn't even feel right coming out of my mouth right now saying that. 17. How? It, I think it was just kind of one of those things where – well, Nebraska, you know, once the game kind of got out of hand, they started using a bunch of their pitchers that they probably normally wouldn't be using <laughs> in a competitive game. To save the other guys for the Saturday-Sundays. Exactly, which ended up working out because Nebraska won the last two games. But I think, you know, uh, Darren said after the game, you know, sometimes you just kind of see that, you know, if you're a pitcher out in the in the bullpen and you're walking or you're watching your you know, the guy on the mound just walk a bunch of guys. That kind of gets in your head, and you get in the game, and you're thinking, all right, I can't, I can't walk people. Well, of course, you start thinking that way. What do you do? You start walking people. So 
I'm hoping that that game was just an anomaly because I never want to have to watch a baseball game like that ever again. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we talk Nebraska baseball with Dan Hoppen. The Huskers now go into Big Ten play with a 13-7 and record. And it's really quite impressive when you consider this team started out the year 3-6 and uh, with consecutive three straight weekends where they went one and two. Uh, but you can argue all the competition was against NCAA tournament caliber teams, uh, which has kind of made the last couple of weeks seem pretty easy. Yeah, and I think that was kind of something that was lost on people early on because they looked at that schedule and, you know, there's not a, a real traditional power on there. There wasn't the Cal State Fullertons or the Texas or the LSU, schools like that. But you talk about, you know, College of Charleston, Arizona, Tulane, Long Beach State. You know, the, maybe these aren't teams that are going to be making huge uh, College World Series runs, but these are teams that are all going to be competing for postseason play. So Nebraska had some pretty solid competition those first couple weekends. They're really trying to sort out their pitching staff, and I think they're still working on that, but they're getting closer now. Um because, it, yeah, it was kind of a mess those first couple weekends. Now, Nebraska will go into Big Ten play this weekend. Uh, they're, they're in Indiana. They kind of worked out well at spring break, so the players have been out there all week. Are they doing anything fun? Have you heard anything at all? Like, they, they've got the whole week out there in Indiana, or is it just kind of all business? Um, I'm sure they've got something planned probably for Thursday, but I haven't actually, you know, found yeah. out what their plans are. Well, they play Purdue, um, who's 4-14, four and 14, to Not open very things good. up. And, <laughs> I mean, this is a great opportunity, though. If, if You know, it just seems like if you can start out conference play 3-0 with a sweep, which, you know, you never want to say that in conference play because it's very difficult to get a sweep. but Especially on the road. Yeah. This is a realistic sweep-type weekend for Nebraska on the road to start out Big Ten play. Uh, it's a three-game set, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, so they will play Easter Sunday at 12 noon. Uh, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people yeah. in West Lafayette taking that one in. That doesn't make any sense. They play on Easter every year, and I don't get it every year. But back to your original point about, you know, this is an opportunity for them to get a hot start in Big Ten play. You're absolutely right. Purdue's not very good. And then, you know, you peek ahead at the schedule a little bit next weekend – they have a home series against Illinois. Illinois is eight and ten. They're not off to a great start. You peek ahead to the next weekend. Home series against Northwestern. Northwestern's awful this year. So Nebraska's got a great shot, I think, to start. I Seven don't, and two. Yeah, eight, I, I don't want to go crazy, but yeah, I think that's absolutely um, a realistic scenario. If they can keep playing like they are right now, there's no reason why Nebraska shouldn't sweep. You know, one, if not two of those series and come out of this thing looking pretty good. Huskers open Big Ten play this weekend in baseball. We're talking with Dan Hoppen to get his thoughts. And, you know, last year it was a banner year for Big Ten baseball. I believe it was five teams, Dan, uh, made the NCAA Mm -hmm. tournament. And Nebraska scratched. uh, They could have almost been the sixth team if they would have just got some uh, series wins there late. But you look at the league this year. It's looking more like a one-to-two-bid league. Michigan and Michigan State are off to great starts, particularly Michigan State and Ohio State. And that seems to be the trend of this league, Dan. It's never the same team every year since you've been covering Big Ten baseball. One year it's been Purdue. One year it's been Illinois. Illinois. Indiana, uh, Indiana. certainly had a couple years there. So it, it's really um, – and Nebraska always hovers in that like top three to five team range. Yeah, they, they usually end up – um, being somewhere around the top. They haven't actually been able to win the conference yet. But, yeah, 
You know, it, it'll be interesting. I mean, you know, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to look at RPIs right now, but the Big Ten has four teams in the top 54 as of right now. Nebraska's number 44. Um, but, yeah, I, I think you're right, Sean. I think this is probably when all is said and done, unless somebody else rises up, I think this is probably going to be a two-bid league, maybe three if things go really well for the Big Ten, but it's not as strong as it was last year, and that presents an opportunity for Nebraska. Well, then they come home on Tuesday um, in a big midweek game against Creighton, and, and Creighton is off to a great start. They've played some really good baseball. Uh, they look like they could be the team to beat in the Big East, and you, you talk about RPI games. I mean, some of these midweek games are, are just as important as, as the weekend games. Oh, yeah, absolutely, um, especially – you know, when you get a chance to play Creighton two or three times a year, that can really give you a nice little boost if Creighton turns out to be pretty good. All right. Well, Nebraska baseball on the road here for Easter weekend, Friday, 530 at West Lafayette. And then Saturday is a 1 p.m. game. And then on Easter Sunday, they will play at noon. No television, but all games will be picked up on the Huskers.com and Husker Sports Network. And we come back here on the program. We will shift back over to football and recruiting talk as Rivals.com's Adam Gorney, the West Coast analyst, will join us next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And Nebraska picked up a big West Coast four-star commit, as we've talked about here on the show already, and Keyshawn Johnson Jr. out of Calabasas, California. And joining us now on the program is the West Coast analyst here for Rivals.com. Always a great guest here for the program, Adam Gorney. Adam, uh, first of all, thanks for uh, taking some time with us here today. Yeah, definitely no problem, Sean. Well, first off, what were your initial thoughts? I think from our perspective, most of us knew uh, Keyshawn Jr. was going to pick Nebraska, uh, but just the timing, the way it played out, kind of what were your thoughts on on this whole situation uh, with his recruitment? Yeah, you know, like you said, not a real surprise, but for Nebraska, I think uh, he wanted to kind of get a decision done before the summer started here. He had seen all the schools so often. Um, you know, he and his dad and a bunch of teammates had been traveling around looking at Nebraska multiple times. And his other finalists he had been to, uh, you know, Clemson, Ohio State, USC. Uh, so he had a really good feel of what he was looking for, what he wanted. Um, and he, and he, he's really a kid that doesn't want to play games with this whole thing. So, you know, he was really comfortable with the decision, wanted to get it over with, and and, and he did this week. You know, he's a guy, though, that doesn't really go to the Nike events, our rivals camps, or any of the, like, the showcase events, but he is a big seven-on-seven player. You've seen him play uh, both on the field for Calabasas and now on the seven-on-seven field. What would you say right now his real strengths are? Yeah, I've seen him play a bunch, you know, in games, uh, in seven-on-sevens, and even at some workouts and some tryouts and all those good you know, view of his game. You know, he's he's very smart. That's the first thing. Um, his dad uh, really hard, and he takes to it, and he kind of understands the position incredibly well. Um, he's a very good route runner. Uh, he knows how to get himself open, even though he doesn't have really tremendous speed at this point. I think that's the one thing lacking in his game. Uh, and then something that might be, you know, a little bit overlooked by uh, is his hands. He has great hands. He catches everything. Um, you know, I saw at a recent event, he, you know, a lot of balls weren't exactly thrown right to him, right in the numbers, but he would go down and get it. So those are the things that really stand out about him right now. 
We're talking to Rivals.com's Adam Gorney. He's the West Coast analyst here for, for Rivals and as we break down this Keyshawn Johnson uh, Jr. commit. And uh, what does it say, Adam, about maybe USC? Uh, his dad produced the documentary, um, you know, on 30 for 30 the, on USC's program. Obviously, he's the number one draft pick. Um, that such a strong Trojan, Trojan legacy uh, did not really – I mean, he kind of considered USC, but really was never a factor in this process like maybe you would think uh, a legacy like that would be. I think you could kind of look at it two ways. And, and the first is, you know, he is a Trojan legacy. But following Keyshawn Johnson Jr.'s steps to USC is pretty much an impossible task. I mean, he was the number one draft pick out of there. So – um, I think Keyshawn Jr. really wanted to do his own thing. I think he wanted to have his own experiences. Um, he's a really mature kid and understands kind of what he wants in a program. And his father, you know, understands what would fit best for him. Um, and so, you know, I think he wanted to kind of go on a different route, a different tact. And he found that, you know, there are still some connections there, obviously, with Keyshawn being coached. But I mean, there was a tremendous level of comfort there. Uh, Keyshawn Sr. talks all the time about how much respect he has for Mike Riley and what he did in his own in, in Keyshawn Sr.'s life, um, and that will carry over, he thinks, for his son. And so, you know, going to USC was definitely an option, um, but I think he wanted to kind of go his own route and experience Adam Gorney, our like, guest, the college life on his own. Adam Gorney, our, our guest here on the Husker Online Show, is uh, we talk more about Nebraska now on the West Coast. And, uh, Adam, what do you think this could maybe do for Nebraska with with, with just a strong presence that Keyshawn has, um, both junior and senior, and the impact they have with other kids? And, um, well, we know uh, some of the names out there like Darnay Holmes, who's been to Lincoln five times in a year, Tristan Jebbia, who's very close to pulling the trigger, and Nebraska's kind of rumored to be um, the leader or at least in the top two or three right now with him uh, when you break it down. I mean, what kind of impact do you think this commit could have with some of those guys and maybe other kids on the West Coast? Yeah, I think it's going to be big in the sense that if someone commits there, if it's Tristan Jebbia or Darnay Holmes or – even a Brian Hightower, who's now down at IMG, is a 2018 kid, or Brendan Radley Hiles, another 2018 kid. They have a familiar face there. They, they're not just going to be going there alone. Um, there's, there's plenty of California kids there now, especially getting Lamar Jackson last year. Guys they've known, they've played against each other in seven on seven. And especially with Keyshawn Jr. in this class, he's going to do his fair share of recruiting. Um, I'm not sure if it's going to have a tremendous influence on those guys and their final decisions, especially Darnay. Um, who's really looking at Stanford, UCLA, and some others. Um, but Nebraska's right in there. So, you know, if they want to do a package deal, if they want to go to school together, if they want to experience that together, there's going to be some familiarity there, and they know it. So, you know, no one expects Keyshawn Jr. to back off this commitment. It's not soft. It's very firm. And so, you know, those guys, Tristan Jebby, who's also looking at Ole Miss, um, and some other schools, Darnay, and, you know, down the line, the California kids that are being recruited uh, to Nebraska, it, it allows them to know that they're going to have friends on campus there, and that could be you know, for sure. Well, what's been kind of the, the the reaction to what Mike Riley's been able to do out there? Because to get Lamar Jackson, to get Keyshawn Johnson Jr., and now some of these other names that they're, they're really kind of ahead of the pack on, um, it, it's got to, in my opinion, people out in Southern California, Northern California, they probably are saying, how is Nebraska doing this? I mean, what are you hearing from people uh, just with what they've been able to do by pulling some of these top guys out of California? Yeah, Mike Riley and his staff, a lot of those guys get a, a tremendous amount of credit for coming out here, 
and recruiting the area hard. I think the Big Ten plays a factor. Going, you know, going Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan State, Penn State, Wisconsin, all those schools that kind of intrigue kids to play at in those big stadiums. That you know, the environment at Nebraska. When California kids go to a Nebraska game, they have never experienced something like it. Uh, in the Pac-12. It's just kind of a different world and a different atmosphere. So all of those things intrigue. And then, you know, Mike Riley has a bunch of, uh, you know, coaching contacts in California from his time at Oregon State and USC. And he's, you know, really leveraging those things uh, now out at Nebraska. So, you know, you get a Lamar Jackson, you get Darren Grimm, you kind of build on that with Keyshawn Johnson. And now you're, you have a pretty firm base in this state where you can go in and get guys um, and continue to build you know, by getting California kids out there, uh, you know, to play under his system. Yeah, you mentioned you, you've talked a lot about seven on seven in California. Uh, just give us, give our listeners here in Nebraska, how big is the seven on seven stuff out west, and how often are these kids playing, and um, how much are people paying attention, coaches, recruiting analysts, et cetera? Yeah, but believe it or not, seven on seven football in California is almost as big as the high school football season. Um, and that might sound crazy, um, but it is. They play every single weekend. Uh, if it's a holiday, sometimes they're off. Uh, for example, the last five weekends I've been at seven-on-seven seven tournaments. And so <laughs> whether it's in Las Vegas or here in Southern California, and the good thing about it, what, what's really worthwhile about the whole thing is that generally everybody shows up every weekend. Uh, to It's not just one or two guys. Generally, there are about 50 Division One players on the field at all times. So, you know, there's a lot of criticism about 7-on-7 seven seven, that it's not real football and this and that. And, you know, I get that. But um, it's at least an evaluation point. It's very important. Uh, the coaches wield tremendous amounts of influence on some of the kids. And, you know, one of the things that's important to think about this in terms of recruiting is that if you play on a, on a big-time 7-on-7 seven seven team, and you're very successful, those kids want to play again with each other in college. So, you know, a lot of times guys come from a high school with one athlete on 17 with 15 of them, and those are the kids that they want to play with in college. And Keyshawn Johnson Sr.'s team that uh, Jebbia and Junior all play for, how good is that team out there? It's one of the best. It just won the passing down uh, West Regional Tournament. Um, it's absolutely loaded. It was one of the best teams in Las Vegas. It has Tristan Jebbia, Keyshawn Johnson Jr., Darnay Holmes, Tyjon Lindsey, you know, down the list. So it's one of the best teams, one of the most competitive. They all like each other. Uh, they're all friendly, and I think that's going to be something that's going to be important for Nebraska fans to watch as recruiting continues. These aren't guys. Uh, they, they, they all have all the offers, and so – you know, they're playing together now, getting more comfortable with each other. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, if they want to carry that over to college. So in a lot of ways, it's like AAU basketball minus the coaches at the events. Obviously, college coaches can't attend these seven-on-seven tournaments because they're non-sanctioned uh, school sports. But uh, it kind of has an AAU feel, it sounds like. Uh, yes, it, it definitely does. It, it, it has that AAU feel of off-season football um, where – you know, the games are, are essentially they're playing football, but not really. Um, you know, there are there are influences from the coaches. Um, and so, you know, people have described it that way in a sense that 
it's kind of like AAU football. Yeah, that's what seven on seven is like. Well, Adam Gorney uh, joining us here. Adam, thanks for the time as uh, we break down this Keyshawn Johnson Jr. commit. I'm sure we'll be talking to you more as Nebraska's keeping you pretty busy out there right now on the West Coast. <laughs> Great. Thanks a lot, Sean. All right, when we come back, we'll wrap things up with Keyshawn Johnson Jr. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan and Nate Klaus. It's been a huge week here for Nebraska recruiting the Huskers pick up uh, a four-star wide receiver in Keyshawn Johnson Jr. And we are pleased to be joined uh, by Keyshawn Johnson Jr. here on the Husker Online Show. First of all, Keyshawn, uh, congratulations on the decision. Uh, I know it's been kind of a, a year in the making. You've been up to Nebraska several times. Uh, what's it all been like for you this last year, kind of going through this process? Um, it's been it's been fun. Uh, you know, just being able to meet new people and um, you know, kind of getting a feel of every single program is pretty neat. Um, you know, I, I after a while, you know, I finally decided which one I liked the best, and um, my family and I all love it. So we decided to commit to Nebraska. Now, Keyshawn, you had your choice of pretty much anywhere uh, in the country, uh, and you were able to narrow it down to five big-time schools. You know, what was it about Nebraska that, that really gave them the edge? Uh, well, I had a I've always well since my sophomore year, I've had a good relationship with the coaching staff. And uh, they never stopped. Um, some schools kind of stopped and like kind of didn't recruit me as much. And then there was like three more schools that kind of recruited me as hard as Nebraska did. But um, overall, you get the feel of like Coach Riley and then Coach Williams, probably one of the best receiver coaches. And then you get the fans along with it, and then the homey atmosphere. And then you just you want to be in. So that's basically what set them apart from everyone else. We're joined by Nebraska's latest commit four-star wide receiver, Keyshawn Johnson Jr. here on the Husker online show. And you did one of those videos. Uh, Lamar Jackson did one as well, a Bleacher Report. What was that experience like? It was a well-produced video. I'll have to say it was uh, one of the better ones I've seen and in, in, in just the, the timeline and how you guys put that all together. Uh, how fun was that to do? And how long did it take to put that together? Uh, well, I had one day where I, where I recorded everything and then another day where I said it like I did the talking part. So it was basically like a two day thing, but uh, it was pretty cool. Um, you know, just to have the opportunity to have a police report video and, um, you know, get a lot of hype around it. And then like having people have so much, so many nice things to say about it. Honestly, I thought people weren't really going to like it, but I mean, I, I guess you guys did, and uh, it was pretty cool, and uh, I'm glad that's how I committed. Now, Keyshawn, what's today been like, you know, uh, finally announcing your decision and, uh, you know, having all the fan reaction, having people like Gabrielle Union tweet at you and, and I know Prince Mukamara and a bunch of other, um, you know, high-profile people are pretty excited about your commitment. You know, what's everything been like? Uh, it's pretty cool. Um to know that all these people really care about where I want to go and like where I'm going is, is pretty, pretty cool. Um, you know, Gabrielle Union's a big name. Uh, Prince Mukamura is one of the better corners in the, um, in the NFL. You know, I have other people, you know, DMing me, telling me congratulations, stuff like that. So, I mean, 
the fact that people like like I said, the homey environment and the fact that people are just care like care so much about you is just amazing. That's why Nebraska's really really it's just a great place. Keyshawn Johnson Jr. joining us here on the Husker Online Show. And, you know, before Mike Riley got to Nebraska, Keyshawn, what did you know about Nebraska? I mean, what was your knowledge of Nebraska? And you've been up here, is it six times now in a year? And and how much have you learned in in, the, in those visits? Uh, before Mike Riley, uh, I knew a little bit about Nebraska. You know, uh, Kenny Bell, I knew that was. You know, he's a pretty good receiver. Um He's probably one of the best. He's probably the best receiver ever at Nebraska. And then um, I knew the tradition. You know, I knew they were really good in the '80s and '90s. And um, I kind of just—I didn't know much, but the, like I, I knew that just the history and then some of the receivers. Um, I didn't know the fan base was that big, honestly. Um, It—it's it, something that something that you don't know like until you actually like go there and you realize that over for the past 50 years like 300 sold out games stuff like that so I didn't know much about it but I'm glad that you know I got to experience it and figure out how good the Nebraska program has been for the past 50 years 60 years yeah, how different is that, Keyshawn, than the West Coast? Because, you know, we've been out there on the West for some games and covered games, and it's just a different culture. The fans obviously support the teams, but um, it's just not as big of a deal in a lot of places like it is here. And how much does that appeal to guys like you from the West, knowing that, you know, you are the the big show, you are the Dodgers, you are the Lakers in, in Nebraska? I don't know. Like, I guess it's pretty cool, but uh, you also get, like, a pressure factor, but – I'm always I'm always in pressure. You know, I've been through pressure my whole life, so I mean, it's not a big deal. Now, Keisha, you talk about you know growing up under pressure. Obviously, uh, your dad, you know, uh, you know, has left pretty big uh, shoes for you to fill. But um, you know, given his experiences, uh, how much were you able to kind of rely on on that to to I guess help you wade through this recruiting process and maybe separate fact from fiction and kind of lay out the pros and cons of everything? I mean, we kind of focused on mostly pros, and then we would deal with the cons later. But, I mean, um, yeah, he really helped me. Like, if there were certain schools that, like, because he's an analyst, you know, he knows a lot of stuff about college football and NFL. So he knew, like, what what's going on and that stuff. So, like, if he knew, like, something was happening on the program or something, you know, he'd try and tell me, like, look, this is what's going to happen there. Like, maybe the, you got to realize that maybe the coach is going to get fired or something like that. So, yeah, he was a big part of that um, in terms of my, like, uh, decision. Keyshawn Johnson Jr. joining us here on the Husker Online Show as we talk about his commitment, and I think this is a question you've probably been asked a lot as well. Two of your teammates, Trish and Jebbia, Darnay Holmes, have been up to Lincoln multiple times, both very high on the Huskers. What is the likelihood that they could be joining you here at Nebraska? It's likely, but like I say to everyone, like it's not my decision. So, I mean, they got to figure out for themselves just like how I did um, what they want to do. Um, I wouldn't want anyone – trying to tell me where to go. So, I mean, I'm going to be the, in their ear about it, about Nebraska, and obviously they've seen just as much as I have. So I'm going to be in their ear about it. I hope they come with me. 
Uh, Keyshawn, uh, we've kind of seen an uptick in recruitment since uh, Coach Riley has come to Nebraska, and, uh, and obviously you're you're one of the the bigger athletes, uh, bigger name guys that that they've been able to to land. I mean, did they do anything different uh, or anything that really stood out amongst other teams with your recruitment? Just showed me a lot of love and um, made it known that I was wanted there. How many games are are you going to come to this fall? Have you kind of looked ahead? I know you play a lot on Fridays. I mean, I'm sure it's difficult to to get out, but uh, do you plan to come up here? I'm sure the Oregon game, if that's a night game, I I can see you guys making that trip, obviously. Uh, But have you looked ahead saying, you know what, we want to get out here for as many games as possible? Yeah, just as many games as possible. I don't don't know how many games I'm going to so too, but definitely more than one. Right. Definitely Ke- taking my fifth, well, obviously. Keyshawn, obviously, we know about your connection with uh, Coach Riley, but uh, you know, give us some insight on on how big of a factor Coach Williams played in your recruitment. Obviously, I know you have a tight relationship with him. Uh, well, he's one of the, if not the best receiving coaches in America, and I have the probably the best relationship with him. So, I mean, it was a huge factor. If if, if I didn't have a good relationship with the receiver coach. There's no point of going to the school because, you know, that's going to be the coach for the next four or five years. So, yeah, it was big. Well, Keyshawn Johnson Jr., our guest here on the Husker Online Show. Keyshawn, I know you've been really busy. Lots of interviews. We appreciate you uh, taking some time out with us here as it's been fun to follow your recruitment. It's going to be fun to follow your uh, senior season at Calabasas as well. Thank you. All right, well, that wraps it up here for another edition of the Husker Online Show. Thanks again to Keyshawn Johnson Jr. here for joining us. Thanks again for joining us this week on HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. 